opportunity to get to meet you face to face, but we sure love you. We pray for you. Um, Pastor Kyle is out of town this weekend, took our nine-year-old son with him um, with some dear friends of ours in Emons in Texas, preaching at their men's conference and at church, at their church this morning. So he sends his love and he asked me to fill in for him, you know? So are you going to be with me this morning, church? I hope so. I've been praying for you. I have a word on my heart that I believe is um, not just from my head or my heart or my study, but I believe it's for this time and this moment. And I truly believe that it can unlock a miracle in your heart and your life today. I really believe that. And so our text for today is found in Psalms 39, verse 7. Does anybody have their Bibles this morning? Two people have their Bibles. Well done, my kind of girls. I forgot mine last week, but man, I do love looking up scriptures in church. Anybody else? It really does help. I'm just like pro tip for a girl that's in a lot of church services, bring your Bible. It gets a lot more fun. Okay, anyway, Psalms 39. We don't have to be that serious in church. Everybody exhale, right? Okay, good. Psalms 39, verse 7. It says, this is David speaking. And David is saying, what am I doing in the meantime, Lord? And then he answers his own question. Hoping, that's what I'm doing. I'm hoping. My title for my message today is, is Mastering the Meantime. Mastering the Meantime. Would you join me all together all over this room online? Would you join me in prayer this morning? Father, we come before you. Any ground is holy if we invite you into it. So Jesus, we invite you in, into the middle of our meantime this morning. We invite you into the middle of our world, our life, our questions, our world, whatever, all of our worlds look a little different, but we invite you into the middle of it, God. And I ask, Lord, that I would be get out of the way. I ask that you would use me to speak your word, your truth, in a way that you could divide it, multiply it, and bring transformation to every life that hears it. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Can we all say amen together? Amen. Well, in the meantime moments, in the meantime moments, 
You know, any parents, we're all back in the back-to-school hustle, back-to-school schedules. Anybody, wave your hands around. That's me. Back to school. I'm like, hello, Summer, where are you? I miss you already. The back-to-school schedules and parenthood presents a lot of in-the-meantime moments. I mean, car line pickup. Any car line moms right here? Car line pickup. I've got about three car lines that I have to pick up in. And whoever created the difference, so Goldie gets picked up at 2.15. Blair and Graham, well, some days it's the same. Some days it's not. But Blair and Graham pick up at 3.15. And if anybody has any tips for me how to entertain a tired three-year-old in the car for an hour, please let me know. Because I'm just going to tell you, it's like this big chaotic play date in my car with my daughter for an hour. I mean, in the meantime moments. I mean, kids in activities, kids in sports. We've got grandpa's competitive basketball. We're in football. We're in soccer. We're in volleyball. We got music lessons. I mean, the schedules are real, y'all. Pray for your girl. And our kids go to school in Lee Summit, but we don't live in Lee Summit. So basically what that means is I just circle the metro area every single day. I don't even know where I'm at anymore. I'm always somewhere in the meantime. You know, I'm driving to games basically in Oklahoma, and there's like seven games on a Saturday, and they all have like an hour window. There's no way we can make it home. We've already gone through the Chick-fil-A drive-thru three times. I mean, we can't do it again. I'm embarrassed. Just look in the back seat of my car. It's not the actual event. I love cheering my kids on. I love seeing them thrive. I love watching their games. But it's the meantime that often tries to get the most of me. The meantime, what does it mean? The time before something happens or before a specified period ends. The time before something happens, or before a specified period ends. Mastering the meantime. The meantime, you know, like you read a book and it's like, and in the meantime, like the meantime isn't like the plot, right? Like you're like, that's just like the passageway that gets you through to the plot, right? To what's really going on, to the main event. But a lot of main events have a lot of meantime attached to them, don't they? And a lot of us in life and in faith, this space called meantime, this space time meantime it actually causes us to not get to the main event that God has called for us. Because the meantime looks like chaotic moments in the car, in the backseat of an expedition with the three-year-old playing Paw Patrol when all I really want to do is take a nap. You know what I mean? The meantime. And it's this space that a lot of people, they give up. They give up. They quit. They abort the mission. Their heart goes from soft to hard. Their motives go from missional to, I'm really thinking about me. And before they see God's promises fulfilled in their life, they mismanaged the meantime. 
You know, anything in life, we can all be given the same $1,000. Or someone could come in and give us all the same gifts. But guess what? That same gift might not end up being the same product at the end because how different people manage what they have been given. So God doesn't want us to mismanage the meantime. He's challenging us if we want to be men and women of God that really walk in the fullness of what God has for us, which is normally everyday, ordinary, Monday, simple. They're kind of simple things. And I think oftentimes to those that get more, God says, how did you handle the simple how did you handle your heart in that situation? How did you handle that? How, how's that going for you? And it's how we handle the simple that determines the level of our surrender. How we handle the simple, let me say that again, is how it's, how it's the level of surrender that our life ends up living. And the level of surrender is normally the degree of God's glory in operation in and through our life. If you know it or not, or if you even want it or not, God has more for you. You can enjoy everyday life. I do. You can choose to enjoy the meantime. You can choose to enjoy the beautiful creation that God has given us. We should. The Bible says he created all of it for our enjoyment. It's just not the end-all, be-all. He is. So instead of worshiping all the creation and all the things that's called having idols, we can enjoy all the things because guess what? All of our honor and all of our glory and all that we are is being given to the King of Kings. We're getting our priorities in life and then you actually can enjoy all the things that he adds to your world. So a lot of people... They get stuck in the meantime. They mismanage the meantime. And God wants us to flip the script on that and learn how to master our meantime. Instead of getting stuck, he wants to help us master it. And that is where true spiritual formation takes place. Spiritual formation, it's the forming of our heart, our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions to be formed into the image and the likeness of Christ. It's not just about outer presentation and impressing people with what we have. It's actually about the formation of what is really happening and what is really being formed in us when no one's lo looking. And most of the time when no one's looking, I can be like looking like a manic mom and then I get in the car line and it's like, here's my thing, ready to go. Don't look at the trash. I put it all in the back. My car is perfect. Right? So you've got to learn to manage your meantime. I want to ask you today, what are you doing in your meantime? What are you doing in your meantime? Are you worrying? Are you doubting? Been there. Anybody else? Me and you. Fearing? Fear has many faces. 
You can be doing a lot of good things and doing it out of fear. Fear of lack, fear of my kids not having fear of this. Instead of living from a place of abundance and living from a place that God loves me. Striving. I've, I've been there. Comparing? Anybody? Or can we just say all of those things? It's not a call out. It's called life, isn't it? Every single day, we can put off of our pretty little church faces off, and we can be honest that every day we have an opportunity to worry. We have an opportunity to doubt the goodness of God. We have an opportunity to start fearing. Strife always comes out of fear. Someone fears, so they try to take. They think they have to take something that's not theirs instead of knowing that God has enough for all of us. We start striving. We start trying to pour it out. Like we, we just like, we're striving. We're not living in the grace zone. We're striving. We're comparing. We're looking to the sides. We're looking all around. And we forgot to look up to the one that knows how to help you manage, to help you order, how to make it through, what to do right here, right now in your specific set of situations. Like David said, what am I doing in the meantime, Lord? I'm hoping that's what I'm doing. I am hoping. You can only imagine how David was preaching to himself where he found himself hiding and running in unfair conditions and situations. And during that time, the only thing that grounded him was not saying, I'm king, I have a palace, I have a throne to sit on, I have all the wealth of, of the nation. No, he didn't have that at his access. He was on the run. And the only thing that sustained him, the only thing that grounded him, the only thing that helped him even manage the mistake mistakes of his meantime was the grace of God and the character of God. What am I doing? I'm asking you that for real. Do you ever have like a real friend that like asks you like real questions and you're like, I thought we were just having a coffee date. I just wanted to get a pedicure today. Didn't really want a real question. But thank you. I needed to hear that. I'm really asking you today, what are you doing in your meantime? You don't have to worry. Some of you, you've seen moms and grandmas and aunts and friends, all they know is worry. It's what organizes their life. You don't have to worry. You don't have to doubt. You don't have to live stuck in doubt every day anymore. You don't have to let doubt organize your destiny anymore. You don't have to. You don't have to strive. You can actually ask God in humility and through surrender to put a grace on your life. That it's like my life is graced for this. It's not always easy. It might not always be fun. There might be a little chaos in the middle. But guess what? I'm getting my life mastered by God. I'm learning to lean into the master so that I can master my meantime. So hope. You know, hope in Hebrew is a word called tikvah. Tikvah. 
And in English, hope is a little bit more, has an abstract meaning to it. It's like, yeah, I hope for that, right? I hope for this. I hope for that house of hope. I mean, what does that even mean? Am I hoping? I don't know if I'm hoping. I think I'm hoping. Maybe I'm not hoping. I hope nobody knows that I'm not hoping. I mean, hope, right? It's a little bit like abstract. I do love abstract things in art, but when it comes to hope, I like a little more concrete. I need to know with, with Jesus Christ that who he is is concrete. I need to know that if I'm going to anchor my life on this word, on the gospel, on the Bible, I need to know that he is who he says he is. If I'm going to go all in for Jesus and I'm going to let some other things behind, I need to know that it can be the bedrock of my life and my family and my babies. Because I'm not doing this for fun. I'm doing this in obedience. So hope in Hebrew, it's a little more concrete. And it means expectation, but it goes, for, it goes more. It also means cord or rope which comes from the root word, which means to bind. Do we have any science fair project parents out there? I know you're not supposed to do that science fair project for them, but we already know you did. <laughs> we already know you did. And in science fair projects, let's just break this down for a minute. Gorilla glue. Anybody else? Hot glue guns, they don't work anymore. I'm like, what is, what is even that? Just go straight to the Gorilla Glue, pro tip. But the thing with Gorilla Glue is it really works. Like you get that on your fingers, you know what I'm talking about. And literally, Goldie got it on her lip, don't judge me. <laughs> don't judge me, okay? It's not just me. And literally, I'm like, we're going to the ER. We're going to the emergency room. My little girl has Gorilla glued her mouth shut. Maybe I wish that happened to my nine-year-old, but my three-year-old, like, that's being a bad parent. You try to pull your fingers apart, just go home and try it. It's a great science fair experiment, actually, for adults. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this, but it's gonna be funny. And I needed a laugh today, so I hope you did too. Truly, if you Gorilla Glue your fingers together, you literally think you are going to take off the first four layers of your skin, right? You're like, this is impossible. And you're like putting underwater and like little by little. And then literally that glue is on your skin for like the next 14 years. You're like, I can never get that off no matter how hard I try. People that are mastering their meantime through hope, it makes it really hard to let go of the mission God's called you to. Because you keep hoping, that's what David did. Oh, I'm not worrying, I'm hoping. I'm not doubting, I'm hoping. I'm not striving, I'm working with Jesus. I'm not comparing and living somebody else's life. Their life isn't mine to live. My life is mine to live. And while I'm gonna live my life, I'm going to be found hoping. And when you begin to put that in practice, like Pastor Kyle shared a few weeks ago through meditation, the Bible says if you meditate in Joshua day and night, what happens? You will prove to have good success and you'll begin to walk in the good plans that God has prepared for your life. But do you know what the missing ingredient is in the meantime? Is your discipline to hope. 
Not just to feel it. Not just to get a high through worship. No, every day in your car, I'm hoping. Every day, I am binding myself to the promises of God. Every day, I am leaning into the goodness of God and the grace of God. Every day, I'm choosing to love my enemies. Every day, I'm choosing to forgive. I'm choosing to sow when I want to withhold. I'm choosing to be generous to people around me. When maybe I just want to think about myself. Anybody else? You just have days you just want to think about you. You just want to get lost in you. You just want to throw a pity party. Well, guess what? When you're hoping, it ain't helping. So you might as well just stop it. And you might as well begin to train your soul. Tikva, I'm going to hope in God. While I'm here, in the meantime, I'm going to be hoping and hoping is not like, oh, I just hope, I guess I'm kind of depressed. I'm hoping it changes. I'm hoping that turns around. I'm hoping my husband gets it. I'm hoping my wife changes. I'm hope. No, I'm, I am working the everlasting, eternal promises of God. And like Gorilla Glow, I'm taking his word to my soul. And I'm letting them be bound together. And it will be really, really hard to tear it apart. It actually might forever mark me. And it might just always kind of be there. Let's take a look at Abraham, the father of our faith. In Romans 4, verse 18 through 25, I encourage you to go home and read it yourself. Don't just let me read it to you. Let the word of God read your life. Abraham was a real person living in his real time. And, and Abraham had a lot of mean time to his life. And God had chosen him to be the father of many nations, to be the father of our faith, and gave him some really big promises, like you're going to have a son and your wife is like barren, she can't have the baby. Your descendants are going to be like the sand of the sea and the stars of the sky. Well, great, God, I don't even have a child. How am I going to be the sin? Because look at us. Look at the church that's gathering all over the globe. It's part of the sands of the sea and the stars of the sky. It says, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be without weakening in his faith. He faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. Being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he promised he would do. And this is why it was accredited to him as righteousness. But like God always does, God is never self-obsessed. Like God is never just all about me. He's always thinking about us. So it goes on to say it was accredited to him, but the words it was accredited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us. To whom God will credit righteousness for us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and he was raised to life for the fun of it. 
He went to cross because it looked cool and he looked like a sacrificial servant and like the savior that was just gonna give his whole life for the world. No, he did it for our justification. He did it for our sanctification. He did it so we could get reunited with the Father God and the love of God, so we could live out all the prophetic words of history. It's why Jesus did what he did, and that is why Abraham attached his life to that, and he had a lot of meantime in his life. And during that meantime, I think he mismanaged it every now and then, but by the grace of God, he got back into the game, and he began to learn how to master the meantime in his soul. Say, no, if God said it, he's going to do it. If God promised it, he's going to make a way. It might not look that way today. Day. But man, when I'm holding my child, I serve the God that teaches me how to master the meantime so I can get to the main event. I want to give you today in my, my time three moves to make in the meantime. Three moves that you're going to have to make in the meantime. Some of you, we just celebrated Taylor and Jutin yesterday and their, their shower. It's like, that's like a mountaintop moment, right? But we know in their marriage, they're about to have a lot of meantime, right? There's these moments and every single one of us, some of us, we've been married. Kyle and I have been married for 15 years. And, and you know what? We decided this year, man, we've had a life of purpose. We have done, we, I feel like we have obeyed God with our life. We're raising our kids. We've seen God do so much. But, you know, 15 years, it kind of feels like meantime. In the meantime. And we just decided that we're going to have a more romantic relationship than we've ever had that we're going to enjoy life together more than we ever have, that we're going to live on mission and full surrender to Jesus more than we ever have, that we're going to let our marriage be better than it's ever had. We're not just going to have a little meantime marriage. We're going to master it. Every one of us have a meantime right now. And the first thing, the move that you need to make in your meantime is to realize your rut. We all have ruts. Anybody? We all have ruts in our thinking. You don't even know it. It might be so ingrained in how you were raised or the world that's around you. You don't even realize it's a rut from truly believing God to do what he said he will do. And the first step in change, we all know, is what? Awareness. You actually have to be aware of something, like psychologically, before you can change it. It's like some people, they're so unaware, and you're like, I want to make you aware, but that's not my job, right? But you've got to realize your own ruts. I have to realize my own ruts. Because in the meantime, it's so easy to fall back into mediocrity. In the meantime, it's very easy to let your emotions manage and organize your life and expectations. You think you're called to the meantime, and that's just a spot to go through. It isn't a place to inhabit and settle. We start looking back, reminiscing, daydreaming. It wasn't that good, guys. High school wasn't that good. I had a blast in high school, by the way. I had so much fun. But I mean, like, is that really the end-all, be-all of life? College, great time. So much fun. But like, 
that's not all of life, right? There's still more. So when we find ourselves in the rut, where it normally starts and gets even deeper entrenched is we begin focusing on things we cannot control. Think about it. Think about the situation right now that could keep you up at night. It might be little, it might be about your kids. It might be a situation here or there. It might be a friend that's just like, like what's happening? Like, I thought you were my friend. It might be a situation with your finances or an unexpected situation, like what's going on there? And we try and give all of our emotional energy, which we don't have infinite emotional energy. We only have a finite amount. You have to learn to manage it. You only have so much mental energy. You only have so much physical energy that you have to learn to manage in the meantime. But we give all of our energy and our efforts to things that we cannot control. And listen to me, church. Online, listen to me. When you focus on things you cannot control, you will always end up hopeless. And then you will go settle for counterfeit things that you are not called to because you try to find comfort in a place you aren't called to settle. And so you cannot, if you want to get unstuck and out of the rut, you have to begin to focus on what you can control. See, God is a supernatural God and we are not supernatural beings. Yes, Christ lives in us. We are natural. He is supernatural. We have a part to play in his plan, which means we have to, like Ephesians 3 says, we have to have a spirit of wisdom, understanding, insight. Someone with insight knows what to do, right? Like they're insightful. They know what to do. They know how to solve that problem. They've mastered that skill or that profession. They know what they're doing. They understand completely complexities. And I just want to say to you, God understands the complexities of your life and he knows what you're trying to fix that you can never fix. And he knows where you need an attention shift, where you need to put all attention in this place because it is something that you can control. See, if you're going to realize the ruts you're in, so in the meantime, you've got to get ready for the miracles that the master is planning for you. You've got to realize those ruts. You've got to begin to know you need to ask your spouse. Like I ask how, you got to ask a good friend. I have a couple of friends I'm so honest with, like brutally honest. And it's like, there's nothing to hide. I'm not hiding. It's like, what do you think? What are, you, what are your thoughts on that? And I know they love me. And I know they don't want to hurt me. I know they want the best for me. But it helps you get self-awareness to know so you can get out of the rut and get going and manage your meantime. Kingdom City Church, 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16. So roll up your sleeves. Get your head in the game. Be totally ready to receive the gift that's coming when Jesus arrives. Don't lazily slip back into those old grooves of evil, doing just what you feel like doing. You didn't know any better then, but guess what? Hello, you do now. You didn't know any better then, but you do now. As obedient children, let yourselves be pulled into a way of life shaped by God's life, a life energetic and blazing with holiness God said, I am holy, you be holy too. You got to figure out and realize the rut you're in so you can move forward. Number two, 
Is everybody with me today? Say number two. Got to renew your vision. Without vision, people perish. But hey, hello, good news. That just means with vision, we thrive. So if you feel like you're perishing in an area of your life, let's just get simple, basic solution. Guess what? You're lacking vision. Maybe you're lacking vision in your business, vision in your company, vision in your investments, vision in your marriage, vision in your parenting, vision in your department, vision in the team that you are working to manage, vision in your own soul, in your own life for like not just what you're doing, but who you're becoming. What you're doing isn't as important. Who you're becoming is what's most important. And I pray I'm not the same I was right now as I was last year. And by the grace of God, I can say I'm not. Where God's starting to bloom new things in your heart, your life, your soul, your mission, your mandate, even your gifts and your talents begin to come together in ways that it's like, oh, God is so kind. He, only he would have known how to do that. Right? you got to renew your vision. Proverbs 29, verse 18. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, are you making time for God to reveal? Let me tell you, the God, the reveal he has for you, like a baby reveal, all the gender reveals, all the fun things, the things he wants to reveal to you are magnificent. The plans he has for you are stunning. The plans and purposes he has for your life, the connection, the intimacy, the fulfillment, the heart and soul coming alive, it truly is. No hype attached, more than you could ask, more than you could dream, and more than you could hope, and more than you could imagine. But it's only for the people. It's not that it's not there for you. It's only for the people that learn to master the meantime. Most believers mismanage the meantime, and they miss their miracles because we have been invited into the divine plan of God to play a part. He didn't make us robots. He's not gonna move our arms and legs for us. That's weird. You know, Blair went to sixth grade this year and at her school, it's like this gap year, but they are changing classes, but it's all, all only within sixth grade. And so like this year it was like, oh, such a, like going to the, like the parent night and all the things and how they help them prepare for middle school and high school. It's like, oh, I can't baby her anymore. They're not sending home the cute little sheets with her and putting it on the front of her notebooks. Like she's got to manage her online canvas portfolio. And if she doesn't show me or tell me, we're in trouble. So I have to say, hey, baby, like if you don't bring it home and you don't tell me, I don't know. I can't go to school with you. I can't go do your work for you. You've got to learn to master your meantime. Some of you need to go back to your why. In your marriage, go back to your why. Why do you have to be old and boring? Why do you have to be like middle-aged and blah? That's like my nightmare. I don't want to be blah. I want to be awesome. I don't know if I am, but I'm trying, guys. Give it the best I got, okay? There's somebody here today. You're going to get unstuck in your heart and in your soul. You have settled into places 
that God's Spirit's about to move you forward in. He's going to move you forward into new rhythms, new opportunities. It's not going to all happen overnight. It's going to come through little shifts in your mindset every day when you're like, man, I used to just live in worry. I didn't even know it. My whole life was organized by fear, and I didn't even realize it. I loved God, but his love did not organize my life. And he's going to begin, and you need to be so mindful, and that's why getting in a connect group with other like-minded believers is so important because it helps challenge you to continue to master the meantime. Isaiah 40, verse 31 says that those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and they will not faint. The third move you have to make in the meantime is you have to remove any obstacle to your obedience. God isn't going to remove the obstacle. You have to remove the obstacle. Oftentimes there's things in our life that we know it's not really a sin. It doesn't look blatant. It's not like, I don't know. But just you know that like that path, that's not going where I'm going. That friendship and that relationship, like they can be in my life, but it's not like a heart friend because it's not challenging me to go after everything that God has for my life. Maybe it's an old relationship that's kind of just holding you back and you're feeling God, like just chat, like you're coming alive to Jesus. I've shared it many times at my freshman year in college. Like, I came alive to Jesus. I mean, there's no other words to describe it. And all my best friends from high school, a bunch of us went to the same school, and we all pledged the same sorority. And, and, and I, like, my heart, it wasn't even like I was trying to be Christian. Like, I, I just fell in love with Jesus. He met me where I was in the meantime. And it just began to change my desires. Begin to stir passions and gifts in me. I didn't know I could preach. I'm a shy, introverted little girl. I'd lost my dad when I was young, and it, it really made me come up, become even a little more introverted. And I had some work to do to really develop who I really was. And my heart began to change, and my desires began to change, and I began to realize there were some things on the inside of me that I didn't know existed. And it caused me to manage my meantime a little different. And as I managed my meantime a little different, different doors began to open. Different opportunities began to open. I began to show the love of God in ways that I, I, I wouldn't have had the courage to in the past. And it wasn't out of like trying. It was like people were coming to me. They knew my door was open in my sorority house. They knew they could come in drunk and 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 brokenhearted from a breakup and they knew I would just love them and pray for them. They knew that they could find a little rest for their soul in a moment. And I just want to say to you, and I pray that, that as adults we don't get so settled in to average, so settled into mediocrity that we forget that there's a mission on our life, 
that we forget that the gospel is alive and active, that God wants to use us in our everyday life. But in order to do that, we might have to let go and remove some of the obstacles. And I pray that even this week, Kyle and I, we meet three times a year as a couple. And we grow, we go back over, we use Patrick Lencioni's book. And we, and we really reorganize our family goals for the season. Obviously the word of God too, but. And we take business principles and we begin to apply it to our family. And we say, what are we really going after? Like, what kid needs the focus right now? They all need focus, but like, God, what are you asking us to make a significant deposit in? What are you asking us to lean into even more? Kyle's going back, Kyle's in another master's program right now, and so life is so much fuller, and life is, it's full, but we, he knew, we knew it was time for him to, to do that. It wasn't my time, it was his time, so we're leaning into that. So you have to ask God, God, what do you want to do in my life right now? What are you speaking? What are you clarifying? What do I need to order in my life? What's out of order that you want to bring back into order? And I want to encourage somebody, it's not out of your control. It's not as much out of your control as you think it is. Because all God wants to do is illuminate the next step to take. And if you're willing, just like you just got baptized, and you're willing to take the next step, and then the next step, and the next step, that God potential that's on the inside of you, and it's big, it's going to come alive. And it's not going to be, it's going to be humble, and it's going to be graced by God, and it's going to be purposeful, and it's going to be the most fulfilling life that you could ever dream. But you just have to ask God, what's the next step? Romans 4, 8 got to draw near to God. So in the meantime, we have to learn from the master and make the moves we need to make. Realizing our ruts, we all have them. Renewing our vision. Get your hopes up. If we're Christians without hope, what are we doing? What are we even doing? The God of all hope. The God of all grace. The God of all glory, he lives in you and he's for you. He can do anything. He can right any wrong. He can move any mountain. He can bring restoration and renewal and reconciliation. He can turn a bad situation around for your good and his glory. So why don't we take a moment just to close our eyes. I just want to pray for some people. For believers, you say, I'm a Christ follower. I do love the Lord. I'm here. I got my kids to, to church. It's a miracle, literally an act of God. If you say, you know what? My meantime has felt like a lifetime. And because of that, I've drifted away in doubt. I've lost my spark. I've lost my hope. I've stopped hoping. I stop binding myself to the goodness and the promises of God. And I've been binding myself to old mental thoughts, old cycles. I've been binding myself to worry and to doubt. Binding myself back to old relationships. I know that's not where I'm going. And 
Jesus wants to help you stop mismanaging this meantime. And in this meantime, he's gonna be developing you so you're ready and you're prepared for the miracles that he's already at work on for you. Not for me, for you. My life is different than your life. I don't work in the company you work. Your marriage, your children, your home, your future, your extended family. So if that's you today and you say, you know what, Liz? I need help mastering my meantime. Would you lift your hands all over this room? I wanna pray for you. You say, there's some things I've mismanaged and I wanna get it back into alignment. Hands literally all over this room. Father, I thank you right now for every heart, every life, every person here. Maybe some that feel like they're really stuck in the rut, stuck in a rut, and they don't know how to get out. Father, I ask you right now in a way that I could never, I ask that you would speak. I ask that you would bring grace. I ask that you would bring a fresh supply. I ask that you would open their eyes, open their ears to hear from you for what you're wanting to reveal in their life. I pray refreshment. I pray renewal. I pray that your spirit would not just be with them right here in this moment, but your spirit would rest on them on their Monday and on their Tuesday and on their Wednesday. And I pray over their life when it's going from hope to worry and it's going back to doubt and fear. Father, I pray that by your spirit that they would begin to cast down every thought and imagination and they would hold it to the obedience of Christ so that they can get unstuck and they can master the meantime so that they can walk in the miracles that you have for them in Jesus' name. With every head bowed and eye closed, just for a moment, his presence is so sweet here today. He's so kind. He's not soft and he's not a baby. He's not a pushover, thank God. No one with good leadership skills is a pushover. But man, he's kind. Man, he's for you. Man, he is not judging you for that mistake you made last night or last year. He's with you. He wants to take you by the hand today, and he wants to lead you into radical life change. He wants to take you out of scarcity. He has an abundant life that he has planned and prepared for you. But all you have to do is surrender, to say yes to him. Let him in your life. You ever had a friend that like, you didn't know if you could really trust them, and so you just keep a wall up? And then when you finally let your wall down, you realize, man, I wasted a lot of time. They were, this is a, this is a good friend. And we do that with God because of life situations we walk through or maybe how we were parented or different things, whatever it would be. But I wanna tell you this, he will be the most faithful friend that you will ever have. He'll be the most fulfilling friendship you ever invest in. He'll be the most fun friend you've ever had because living in your destiny and living out the God dream for your life is a whole lot of fun. So all over this room, 
If you need to surrender your heart, you need to surrender your past, you need to surrender your soul, you need to surrender your future to the love of God all over this room with no one looking, would you just raise your hand? Say, I need to let Jesus be my Lord and my Savior. I need to surrender my life, my heart, my soul, that shame. I'm surrendering over to Him. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. 19, 20. To anybody else in this room, you say, you know, I need to surrender over to Jesus. There's no better time. I see your two hands over there. We had 13 people give their hearts to Jesus in the, in the first service. I want to tell you that is revival. You can have bigger numbers in church. Who cares if people aren't giving their hearts to Christ? So if that's you today, we want to pray a prayer, and we really mean it. No church is perfect because no people are perfect. But to the best of our ability, we want to help you walk into a rich, full, fulfilling relationship with Jesus Christ at Kingdom City Church, overcoming the hiccups of your yesterday and walking into the hope of your future. So would you repeat this prayer after me? Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I surrender. I give you my heart, I give you my past, I give you my future. I ask you today to be my Lord, to be my Savior. I receive your love. Show me your love in extravagant ways, in meaningful ways. Help me master my meantime so I can walk in the miracles that you have for me. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on church, can we go ahead and celebrate every life and every heart? Maybe that was you online. We celebrate everyone that gave their hearts to Jesus today.